Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Christoph Katzbeck. Hi Jay, this is two weeks in a row, I think. Two weeks in a row? Look at that, it's pretty cool. This is what happens when you get abandoned here. Yeah, seriously. uh, This summer has been interesting. It has been. I I feel like I've uh, interacted with more tumbleweeds sometimes. (laughs) You guys have been all over the place, so. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I'm just going to pass right by that. Hey, so we had a problem here. I want to... We do need to have like a poll. I wish we had a could have a poll. A poll, function. a live poll. But right you now. and I had a major disagreement. What? Which which time? This, <laughs> this week we had a major like where I'm going. Oh my gosh! I don't know if we have the same worldview. Oh, and wondering one of us can both of us stay employed here? Can both oh of us continue goodness. to work here? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I remember what you're talking about now. Okay, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you, what do you yeah, think I'm talking yeah. about? I, well, I know exactly what you're okay. talking about. Yeah. I asked, we had a disagreement over... Cereal. I was. Just, I said you could you, say you, it, I, and you I, didn't say it. So then I was like, all right, well, then I'll say it more poetically. And then you're like, cereal. <laughs> yes, the question of, can you eat cereal without milk? Yeah. Like dry cereal. Yeah. Yeah, it's a snack. And obviously, it's the most disgusting thing ever. It is not the most disgusting it thing ever. It is the ever. most... Like, I cannot, I don't think there's another food. I'm trying to think, is there any other food that goes from worthless and disgusting to amazing with just one ingredient? Oh man. I think, I think the milk is just, I think the milk is kind of a cover up to make you feel better about the fact that you're eating this like sugary goodness. You're eating like this sugary good. That's what cereal is. It's, it's like, it's like sugary. I'm thinking about other things uh, that go together. Like most people, Excuse me. Most people would say, you know, peanut butter and jelly, if you like peanut butter and jelly. But I, I can't imagine people thinking that a peanut butter sandwich was disgusting. But if you do, then it would be like that. Or pie a la mode. And like, yeah, I like apple pie, but it's even better with ice cream. You're making the argument that cereal is like that. And I'm yeah. making the argument that it's, I got to, man, I wish I had a better example. Um, but I mean, you probably don't have a better example because I'm right. Because it is the most amazing example. Cereal without milk is disgusting. It's you might not, as well be eating cardboard, not. and it's like, and so proof. Like, here's the proof. Yesterday, um, we didn't have any milk here, but we have some leftover cereal. So this is where right. what my life has come to is I eat leftover cereal at the church from leftover from youth <laughs> right. events. And so we had these bags of cereal. Yes, bags of cereal. Oh yeah, because the bags. We're, yeah. Um, and I sent, I had Lauren, I, I said, oh, we don't have any milk at the church. Can, can, um, you said, you sent your wife out to get no, milk. No, no, no. That is not at all what I did. Okay. I asked her, like, as I was running out the door, I said, um, is there something I can take milk in? I'd like to take okay, a little bit of milk right. so I can have it on my cereal. And, uh, cause I said, can you believe that Christoph did? And she also was horrified, um, with you. And, and so she sent me with milk and I said, I looked at it, she put it in a mason jar, mason jar. And I said, is that enough? And she's like, yeah, I think so. It should be. I came and I, I poured it on. I had the frosted mini. Oh, it just it just wasn't enough. It was. It was so not enough. Like it just soaked up all the cereal. So I was basically eating dry frosted mini wheats that yeah. had like soaked up the milk and I just dumped them out. Okay. You're going to tell me you, you, so you, I threw you, them away. you never, ju- you threw them away. I threw you, them away. You never just like stick your hand in and grab no, some cereal and never i had I, I, when i was a child and i thought like a child <laughs> and i acted like a child but then i i realized it was disgusting like even as a child i was like that's not good oh man i i have like i wish chalky, we had a poll. i wish we had a poll because i think that actually more chalky, people 
Like seriously, the only people that eat dry cereal are two-year-olds that eat Cheerios. Here's my thing: if or you're a one-year-old, I if, think two-year-olds eat Cheerios. No, they. I mean, it's like a one-year-old. You got little ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I. Okay, done. If if you need milk that bad on cereal, maybe cereal just isn't good. Like maybe just not that. That's that's it all I'm gonna say. It brings it out. It yeah. enhances okay. it. All right. All right. It's like saying, anyways. You know what? It's like saying cake without sugar. That makes no. No, it's no, exactly. It's that's not a, that's what it's like. It's not what it's like at all. That's okay. All right. Let's let's uh let's transition that's like to warm a... soda. That's like saying soda without like if you had warm soda. What about okay? No, I'm, I'm not is going. I'm not soda... going down this road with you. I'm, I'm not going down this road with you. Is cold soda a little bit better than warm soda? Well, yes. Like or is it like? Only worth drinking I'm, if it's cold. I'm not contesting that. I'm asking the question. Like, if you have a can of soda and it's been out in the car and it's it's warm, oh, it's like it's, it's like hot. it's hot. And then you say, room like, would soda. ice would ice make it a little bit better, or would you say if we don't if I don't have ice to pour this on, then I'm just not even drinking it? I think this is a terrible yeah, example. It's great. It's I think perfect. it's a terrible example. Anyways, something a little less controversial. You <laughs> you you uh you preached. You kind of gave a um overhead view of galatians this yeah. past Sunday. so we've been I'm, I'm curious and we didn't talk about the software so if you want to go to another topic but why what was what was the thought process behind kind of putting a pause on galatian or on, on acts we've been going through acts mm-hmm. and we are starting acts chapter 16 what was the thought process behind uh doing kind of this overview of galatians uh robbie said we should do that and i said that sounds like a great idea <laughs> I mean, okay. seriously, so we, when, we, when we decided to preach through Acts, we were like, this would be great. And then I, it's something I thought about doing in the past when I preached through Acts way back in uh, yeah. um, in, back in my old days in a different place. But um, I just never had taken the time to really organize that. And so when we looked at it, um, Robbie thought it was a, would be a good idea to, hey, why don't why don't we yeah. take a little detour and say, like, hey, he's he's ministering to these churches and then let's talk about the letter that he wrote yeah i I love that i love that especially considering i i think galatians in acts chapter 15 obviously goes so well together because really um paul's kind of hitting on this this same overall theme of the gospel um so i I loved it i thought it was great and and i think it was really cool because when you first got here you preached through galatians right so uh what what were some of the challenges behind like really just giving like this this one off Sunday morning all of Galatians like what 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 do you feel like God was stirring in you to communicate to the church and and what was that like? So I thought it was gonna be really hard because I love Galatians. That's yeah. why I kicked off my ministry here with it. Um, and I, I initially, when I saw it on the outline, so we had this big outline, you know, for the, or spreadsheet or whatever for. Yeah, we've got like the know, notes of like what's right. coming up. Yep. And, yeah. And when I looked at it and when I looked at, okay, what's coming up on that week? I go, oh no. This is, this is the week. It's not going to be an easy week. That's going to be. A, and it was like, I, I don't want to say one of the easier easiest. ones. It was so right. Because as I'm just like looking through it and thinking, man, I actually really love, I love it when, um, like so, so these letters are like they're letters, mm-hmm. and they're written to be read all at once. And so sometimes, what happens when we kind of go verse by verse? That's not what the early church did. The early church would have read the whole letter, and they would have like as they were going through it, would have probably asked questions, and people, you know, the person who delivered the letter would have had some thoughts because Paul would have given, you know, them the some instructions on some of those things. But I, um, but sometimes we lose the forest for the trees. 
and and you know preaching through a book of the Bible. What I love about preaching through Galatians and like an entire series where you take months to do it is you get to really take time and dig into all of these like beautiful things. But then I think there's a real beauty to just saying, but what's the main point? Like just if you look at Paul's argument and his um, his instruction from a big picture point of view, um, what is what's he getting at? And to just be able to be like, man, this is this is the main point. And clearly, he is uh, talking about the sufficiency of faith in Christ for our justification, our salvation, our sanctification, and pushing back against those who would proclaim a false gospel of works righteousness in in all of its forms, whether it's in the law or um, you know, in other in any other way that they might think that they can get it, and so that's it's important to n- remember that in the theme because then everything is pointing back to that. Like he, you know, so you can't just pull something out and say like, oh, so for freedom, Christ has set us free. Therefore, July Fourth is the most important holiday in the church. Like, <laughs> right. well, wait a second, that's not the same. Like, you got to understand what is he? What kind of freedom is he talking about? Right, right. He's not talking about the freedom to do whatever you want. In fact, he says, don't. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity to, to serve yourself or to to pursue your, um, sinful desires, but as an opportunity for the flesh. But use it to in love, you know, serve one another. So, yeah, there you I, go. I love that. So, as as you were going through that and you were thinking through uh, just the sufficiency of Christ, the um, r- really that overall theme, you you kind of honed in on kind of one. At least it felt to me, and I think a lot of people felt this way too. I've, I had a lot of conversations with people after um, the sermon, and, and everyone was challenged. It, it like it was, it was really encouraging. I told you, um, I told you a, a few days ago that Sarah and I were actually talking about something that you really helped uh, uncover with the sermon that Sunday morning. We were talking about it over breakfast, mm-hmm. and then. God was like, "Well, you're going to have this conversation, and then the sermon's going to be about this." But you were hitting on uh, this one kind. Of, you hit on this one um, kind of works-driven uh, thing that we have in the church, and it feels like this pretty pretty big thorn that we have in this church. But it's this idea that um, we we almost and, and you use the exact words of uh, create an idol out of God's word. Like, why why did you feel like that was so important to, there's a lot of different works-driven faith out there, and it felt like you really drilled down into that one. Like, what was what was God stirring in you to drill down into that one? Well, because I think, so when Paul's talking to the Pharisee, or he's, he's pushing back against the Judaizers and people who would say, for example, you have to be circumcised and keep the law in order to um, basically be justified and then to be sanctified. Um, and and so he's pushing back against that. Well, we can read that and say, like, well, I don't know anybody in our church who says you have to be circumcised right. to be justified. Right. Like, and so we always, we tend to look at the Pharisees and think, like, well, of course, those dum-dums, they didn't yeah, know what they, what were, they, they, they were so serious about the law and they missed Jesus. And I'm kind of like, well, I see that happening in the evangelical church. Yeah. And, I see it happening when, for example, we make a if you make a social media post that um, quotes scripture, but is not Christ-like in its demeanor, and you think that you're honoring God because you're quoting scripture, that's that's idolatry. Like yeah. that's not you're not worshiping the right God. You're thinking like, well, I quoted scripture, therefore it's good, and I'm like, well, Satan quotes scripture. Also, it. Like this is not Christ-like at all, and we've talked about this before, where people can say that they stand for truth or they speak truth, and it's okay that they're not kind. It's okay that they don't. Basically, it's okay that they don't display the fruit 
of the spirit. It's okay that they don't do it in a Christ-like way because they're, they're submitting to the real God, which is the text. Right. And that's dangerous. Yeah. It's, it's idolatrous and it's destructive to what the gift that God's word is to us. Like the Bible is this incredibly precious gift. It's, it's holy and inspired and living and active and, you know, but it's because of the spirit in it. And, and, and if it doesn't stir our hearts towards Christ and in the spirit and to listening to the spirit and obeying God, then it becomes an idol because it becomes our God. And, you know, and it, it really is also like, I am my own God at that point, because if, if the text is like this idol that I'm putting up, well, I'm the one that created the understanding around that and I can manipulate it how I want to. And so therefore it like becomes this idol that I have made of own, you know, human hands rather than what it is, which is God's inspired word to his people revealing himself. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, so this might seem (laughs) a little, a little bizarre, but it reminds me of this, um, philosophy, uh, experiment. And as, as you were preaching through it, I was thinking through this because I actually shared this with the youth group, um, on Wednesday night last week. So the week right before you preach this, uh, and, and I have like my understanding of this philosophy thought question is like wikipedia level like i read like a paragraph on wikipedia and ran with it. so so uh great just, way like, to start this yeah, yeah but i don't know if edifying. you've ever heard of this thing called mary's room have you ever heard of this i believe so i've n- i don't know that i've heard it's so like the okay go ahead it's basically just this idea that there's there's this woman named mary she exists in this room she lives in this room mm-hmm. and it's completely black and white mm-hmm. uh and and everything inside of it is black and white and she has this sole job of studying the color red like she has to study the color red so she studies what what all the color red look looks like the things that are red she she call, she understands like the uh, the science behind it what the wavelengths look like how our how you know light refracts in such a way that we see the with the color red but she does she never sees it right it's all black and white and so the the philosophy question is if if after 10 years of studying the color red like she devotes her life to this she lives in black and white she steps outside of the room one day and she she experiences the color red she walks out and like there in the middle of the field is a a red rose um has she gathered new information so from a philosophy mindset it's like this idea of of knowledge and experiencing but i think from a christian perspective there's a there's a beauty behind thinking about it that way of you know sometimes we live in this black and white it's it's almost like Mm -hmm. dorothy and the wizard of oz and and until like we have a living and active god like that's actually kind of the the Right. One of the main themes of Acts is that the Holy right. Spirit departs onto the church and then leads them. And we're going to actually see that more and more as we continue through Acts. And I think some of us have been living in this idea that like, wow, we, we know so much about God. When in reality, we've just been living in this black and white room of just of just knowledge, information, mm-hmm. not actually experiencing, living with, having a relationship, communing with God, which is what we have not only we have access to, but what we're called to, which seems um, so much better than just that black black and white room. And that doesn't negate the importance of the information. Like it doesn't negate the important. And I, I, I'm not trying to sure. you know boil God's word down into just information, but um, that doesn't negate the importance of God's word. But what that does say is is we we sometimes act like like God is you know up in space, just kind of like watching down on us and waiting right. for us to kind of figure this all out. And, and that's how we treat then the Bible. Um, and that, does that, does that track? You, you feel like that 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's, yeah, I, th- I think there's value in that, that we, that experiencing God is why he gave us scripture. Like he gave us scripture so that we could know him, that we would know his voice, that we would be able to abide in him. Um, and when we look at it as these are just principles that I can master and therefore in my own strength live after them and then that will be pleasing to God, well, that is exactly what the Pharisees did. And so we are not all that different from them at all. Um, you know, for example, how often people want to find like the answer only in containing the text for how we should respond to different cultural moments. Sure. Sure. And we say, well, but the Bible says this, so therefore I have to act in this way. And the, the, the action that they're talking about, anybody who has read any of the gospels would say, well, that doesn't sound like Jesus. Right. And that's part of what I'm saying is like, if you, if you think that to, um, be justified is to study this text and do what it says. That's idolatry. That's that's fal- That's a false gospel that Paul was was going against. Now, look, I lived I lived my life in a whole other world where, like, I was on the other end of the spectrum growing up, where people said that like the Bible wasn't really that. You know, the Bible, sure, it's kind of helpful, but what's really important is to um, to have this relationship with Christ. But what they meant by that was a Christ that they had manufactured from their own from their own hands. So sure. Like, well, this sure. is who Jesus is to me, and so therefore that's what I do. Like to so I commune with God, and so there's definitely um, like what I what I would push on is to say that whether you make an idol of the Bible and worship it as your God or you dismiss it either way you dishonor it like you're like this gift that we've been given um the beauty of scripture is when i'm so immersed in god's word and reading um and and reading god's word and um praying and communing with the holy spirit while i read god's word the real power in that is i am getting to know him to abide in him and to listen to him. Like it's developing the relationship. I know his voice so that when I'm out at the grocery store and, you know, something happens in the grocery store, somebody like bumps into me and, you know, they're, they're rude to me or whatever. And what comes up inside of me, there's a part of me that says like, you should throw this can of vegetables at them. And there's another part of me that says, watch out when Jay's in the grocery store. Right. Exactly. And there's another part of me that's like, there's something else in me that says like, forgive them. Like, be gracious. Well, one of those sounds like the Holy Spirit and the other one doesn't. And if I don't, if I'm immersed in God's word, like it's going to be pretty immediate. Now, obviously that's a very obvious example, but there are much, much more complex ones, complex situations that we deal in the world. And we wonder like, well, how in the world, like, well, I don't know. The, sometimes they, it looks like you have, you have conflicting scripture over a particular issue. Like, well, the Bible says we're supposed to do this. The Bible says we're supposed to do this. And it's like, which one do I do? Do I, you know? Um, and the question is really, what was the Holy Spirit telling you to do? Well, how do you know? Well, if you don't practice listening to him and if you don't know his voice, like the sheep will know his voice. Yeah. And so you know that if you're immersed in scripture and you've been reading Galatians and you've been reading, you know, the gospels, you've been reading in Genesis and you, you have this, you understand, you hear his voice, you know, you know, this is how he sounds. Well, then when the spirit is saying, like is speaking to you, you're like, ah, I know that voice. That sound, that's, 
like that sounds familiar yeah and um versus something else that comes in that you're like wait nope that doesn't that is not the way that's not the way jesus talks yeah and i i think part of it and you're you're kind of hitting on this a little bit is that it it requires, not requires, it comes from a comprehensive view of who God is, not just this singular focused, my version of who God is, you know? Um, and I, I think what, what you see, see if this makes sense. I'm just going to go with my flow of thought go here. For it. Uh, but oftentimes when I experience, when I, when I talk with people who have just encountered Jesus fresh, freshly, um, you know, they, whatever reason they heard the gospel and they've responded to it, they are so excited about Jesus. And, they want to go off and do these 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 radical things, and you can tell that they're hearing. Like mm-hmm. you, you can tell that they are on fire for Jesus. They're hearing the Holy Spirit. They are they're trying to walk with with the Holy Spirit. To me, it's those people, and then the the saints who have been walking with Jesus for like forty years, and and like just have a comprehensive. You can tell that they have just been soaked in Scripture over the course of their lives. Um, you can see that there is just this this. Uh, there's the similarity between both of them. Mm-hmm. And the beauty behind that is that the similarity is, is, is God, right? It's not the amount of time they've spent reading the Bible. It's not the amount of scripture they've memorized. It's, it's not any of that. It is, they are sons and daughters of God. They are listening to their father's voice and they are walking uh, in that way. I think sometimes, and, and this isn't to say this is the case with, with everyone, but sometimes, you know, 10 years into our walk, we, we begin to, that light begins to flicker a little bit. And maybe mm-hmm. sometimes we do start to, our, our eyes do begin to uh, look off into other directions. We miss kind of this point. And that's where I think part of the danger, at least that's what I'm hearing is part of this danger is like, it, it, it's the same God across the board in, that we are listening to. It, what happen, What the problem is, is when we begin to export some of the world's thoughts into scripture and some of our own personal um, our own personal thoughts into scripture, all of a sudden we're no longer listening to the voice of Jesus. We are uh, exporting, we're, we, you know, we're doing eisegesis, which is just mm-hmm. this idea of we're taking it out and we're making whatever meaning we want out of this passage to... to, to yeah, we're bringing our own understanding to yeah. scripture and it's interpreting scripture rather than, yeah. Or the more dangerous thing, and I think that we're seeing a lot of it, is not even our own. We're taking a lot of worldly thought and, and we're exporting. I'm, I'm finding now that there are uh, Christians who are taking the advice of people who are professed non-believers, but they, you know, they have the same political ideology or they have these different, and and they're saying like, we need the Christians to rally around this because this is why it's important for the church. And it's going, why, why are we listening to those voices? Why are we allowing them to be the ones who are unpacking scripture for us instead of going to the source himself, which we have access to? Um, and, and that's where we really have to guard our hearts, I think, is to guard our hearts from those who would wish to, it's a, it's a part of it, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, yeah. And right there, you're just even talking about if a, if a non-believer who is not indwelled by the Holy Spirit can, but who follows the morals and principles in scripture, if that seems more Christian to you than the person who is indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but um, you guys disagree on yeah, if you disagree on some of these issues. Well, then that's a problem. That shows again the idolatry of Scripture. And I think, um, and when I'm saying that, like, so here's the funny thing, and you'd even mentioned this of like, well, I don't like we don't want to devalue Scripture, right? I think idol idolizing things is devaluing them. 
because you're putting a you're putting a burden on it that it's not meant to carry. So yeah. if I love yeah. my wife, that is good. Idolatry is not a better version of loving my wife. Like so, if I idolize right, her, right. no one would say like, "Well, you love your wife." Well, I idolize. Now, there's a worldly sense in which we do. Like, oh, we we think of idolizing as like even better than loving them. And we know as Christians, like, no, idolizing something destroys it because now you you've made that your god. It's it's going to destroy both you and that thing. Right. Yeah. And um, and so that's what really grieves me is, man, like we should we should be hungry to be in God's word. And that's another thing that you see with new believers is they're often very hungry for God's word, but they're hungry for God's word because they're experiencing the spirit and they want more of it and they want more of him. And so they're, the Bible is like the source of like where I get to, it, it's like, it's like if I have all these letters from Lauren and like, I, I have this experience with her and then I'm like, I just, I just need, I want to, I want to read these letters over and over and over again. But what I'm doing in that is I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the voice behind them and, and, and communing with that person. And in this case, God, um, not, not just that if I master the concepts in there, then I'm definitely obeying God. Um, you know, an example I'd written, um, I can't even read my writing. I wrote down notes. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love the idea. So oh, why, oh, you, you get it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, so thinking about how often we try. So here's an example of, I think another example. And I, I know that it's, it can be semantics. I guess what I'm saying is when somebody has a tough life decision or they're trying to figure something out, um, you know, we love we love the concordance in the Bible. Like that has been a big thing in the past where you're like, okay, well, I, I'm trying to make a decision about which house I should buy. So what does the Bible say about that? And so we try to go to the Bible and find these answers. And I'm like, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit? I mean, what is better than going? I mean, so we treat so that's what I'm saying is like we treat it like, okay, well, I have this God sitting over here on my shelf. So I'm going to go find the answer in there and then I'll know it's good because I found this verse that says this thing. And so like, you know, he will give you the desires of your heart. So therefore I really desire this big house. So that there's my answer. You mean to tell me the Bible doesn't say anything about how the housing market in Marinette right now? No, it, it, it really doesn't speak to that. But you know who does know something about the housing market in Marinette? Who's the Holy there? Spirit. Oh. So by asking him and then letting him bring scripture to your mind that you've already been immersed in. Yeah. That's so much more powerful. Like I've, I've, you know, just opening the Bible blindly and hoping the Bible is going to like, just, you know, come to life. Like, like some kind of a weird TV show where the Bible like starts growing arms and legs and starts talking like the Holy (laughs) spirit. Did you, did you, okay. I have to ask, did you, did you ever, you gotta be honest with me here when, when you were either, when you were either a teenager or even like young adult, did you do the thing where like you closed, you opened your Bible, you closed your eyes and you pointed to a verse and you were like, okay, God's going to speak to me by just like, you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. That was totally a thing for a while. No, I did that when I didn't know where to read. I just opened it up randomly and start reading. But, um. Right, but you're like you want God to speak into a specific right, situation. Right, right. So you and just you're open like, the Bible so you, randomly. Yeah, you let it mm-hmm. you let it drop in its spine. Yeah. You close your eyes and you point to a specific verse, and it yeah. says something like. And don't you see like how it's treating the Bible like a relic yeah. or like a yeah. magic potion or like a genie or like you know it's it's absolutely dangerous. Yeah. 
And it's so much less than what is actually supposed to be for us. I think your point in, in saying that it, it devalues it is so important. And, and I think you also said something that was really important is that Satan quotes scripture. Like right. he, he knows God. It is the, you know, the demons know God and shudder. Like it's not that they don't know who God is. Uh, they, they do, they actively oppose him. And, and, um, but to say that it devalues, it reminds me that I, I try to communicate this often is that, um, when you make an idol out of something, when you place something into the position where God is supposed to be, it will fail you. Mm-hmm. And it will fail you oftentimes in ways that you don't even expect it. And so mm-hmm. like, um, a lot of, like when I'm talking about like relationships, like if you, if you place a relationship and tell us with teenagers, if you, if you're trying to get a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you want, if that is like everything to you and it is replacing what God is supposed to be in your life, they will ultimately disappoint you and hurt you and let you down. Uh, and you will do the same mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. And, and that's dangerous. Uh, and in the same way, like that happens with the Bible and in, in ministry, how many times can we just say that? Like we've experienced people who have felt so let down by God, but what ended up happening is they believed in these promises that they thought that they saw right. in the Bible, right? but it wasn't actually what God was saying to them because what they were doing is they were taking that which God created or, or spoke and it took the place of God. Like it, they were, right. they were making that out to be God. Right. Without saying, um, without listening to hear the Holy Spirit exactly. say like, yeah. yeah, this is for you or this is not, this isn't what I'm doing. I'm doing a different thing. Because for example, you can go through the Old Testament and see multiple times where people of God thrive and then times where God's speaking judgment on them. Well, which random verse are you going to point to when you're like, okay, God, are you going to deliver me from this situation? Okay, well, it's going to matter big time which book of the Bible you're in, you know, like, are you in Exodus? Did you randomly go into Jeremiah? Did you go in, like, are you in Amos? Like there's, there's a lot of different things. Well, how do you know which one I've told, you know, my kids um, have pointed out to me before that I tell them both worry about yourself and think about others. Stop thinking about yourself. Think about others. I say both of those things. Well, how do you know which one is which like, well, it's context, right? So I'm telling them, It's not just this principle, but there are times where I'm telling them, hey, pay attention to yourself right now. Like you need to be aware of what's going on with you um, before you're worried about what's going on with other people. And then there are other times like put the interests of others before your own. And so um, I think like if we just have this, if it's this text, then you're going to, and if you're just randomly going to all this, you like, you flip to the passage where it says, you know, look not only to your interest, but to the interest of others. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm supposed to do this thing for my neighbor. But, you know, you do all this, this other thing and you, you know, you read, you know, first take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly, you know, to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And you know, oh, you know what? I do need to take some me time to just deal with me and ignore my neighbor. And you're like, well, it's, yeah. what is the Holy Spirit saying to you in that moment? Yeah. Like, should you... Should you volunteer in, in um, volunteer in a particular ministry? Well, if you just go to the text, you're going to find like the importance of the body using one gifts one another, you know, to build one another up and do all that. Also, you will find things about rest and about how you're not Jesus and how other people like the body. Like, which way are you going to understand the body? Um, each one has its own gifts, and the body builds like yeah. it, those gifts build the body up. Well, like. So, okay, so are you supposed to volunteer in this ministry or not? 
I don't know. Am I the body? Am I the body member that's supposed to build up in this case? Or am I supposed to let somebody else build up? Like, you know, it, there's the only way you can know any of that is the Holy Spirit. The only way that you can understand any of that and know, well, okay, Jesus, what are you asking me to do right now um, is through the Spirit. And I think like when we just look at it and think that we can find the answers to everything in this text, then we are putting a, a, a burden on it that it was never meant to carry. And then it's disappointing. So for example, how many times have you heard people talk about like, well, I read the Bible and I, I was reading it at first, like it was really exciting or whatever. And then like it got really dry. Right. Yeah. And, and what do they, they, what they typically mean by that? And what they'll, what they'll, what they'll point out is like, they'll say, well, I got to these places and I, I just didn't understand what it was saying. It was irrelevant. Right. And I've used the illustration before of like, so imagine that you read a passage of scripture that you don't understand. It's, it's hard. It's like in the old Testament and there's genocide and you're just like, I do not understand this. I don't get it. And instead of trying to master the subject and say, okay, well, the most important thing for me right now is to understand why this is here and to understand the content of this passage. If you do that, then you're probably going to Google it quickly, or you're going to try to find some other preacher that you've listened to. Did he preach on this? What do they say about this? But what if you just said, what if you prayed? And what if you just um, asked God, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand half these words. I don't know who these people are. I don't know why you judge them in this way. This seems like I'm confused by this. And then in your praying or you're, you're crying out to God, asking him for help and understanding this. And let's say he doesn't answer. He doesn't give you any insight at all. And so then you, you, maybe you text a friend and say, Hey, have you ever read this passage? And like, have you, what do you, do you understand this? And, and they read it and they're like, I don't, I don't know. Like that's, yeah, I try not to read those parts of the Bible or whatever. And then, and then you kind of go through the day. You're like thinking about it. It's just rolling around. And so you find yourself asking God again, like, God, what is that all about? Like, why are you doing that? And then you, you go home and you have a conversation with your spouse about it. And then you go to bed and you're still thinking about it and you're praying and you're crying out to God. And at the end of the day, you still don't have any idea what the content of that passage means. But what you have done is you have wrestled with God throughout the day. You have prayed yeah, yeah. earnestly. You have asked him. You've been listening for him. You have been talking to fellow believers about his word and about his character and nature that that would, would be in there. And you spent the whole day doing it. Now, which one, which one is better that or Googling something and be like, okay, okay. Now I understand. Got it. Yep. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Move on. Now I'm going to like, yeah. And that's what I'm talking about is that if we don't read scripture in such a way that it helps us to commune with Christ, then it's it's not valuable. And right. when, when people like want to quote, you know, this well, the word of God does not return void. And again, that's taking things out of context. And that's where we I we've crafted this idol and says, Well, what that means is like I can read it and and it does nothing and I feel nothing and I don't understand anything, but it won't return void. Like, well, yes, it will if the Holy Spirit is not there. <laughs> like yeah. if he's if God is not there, then God's word will return void because God's word does not have power apart from God. Hmm. Right? Like, I yeah. mean, the reason it's powerful is because it's God's word that is living and active. He is still speaking it. He doesn't change. And so the things that he said 3,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago are the same things that he still is the same God. Everything, he's the same. 
He interacts with the world differently, you see, throughout Scripture even, but he's the same God. And so that's why it's all profitable and useful for teaching, because we learn how God deals with people and how he speaks. And Yeah, awesome. I love that. I think I think it circles back to, and I, I think this might even just be a good good landing spot, and it kind of goes all the way back to the question of why why do this overhead of Galatians in its right. It's the, the sufficiency of Christ, right? Yes. It is, and that's what it boils down to. What I love about your example of the person who is wrestling with Scripture throughout the day is there was underneath all of this, this, pre, um, this presupposition that you have a confidence in Christ, you have a confidence in who God is, and you have a confidence in, in that he is, he is working. And so you, you're coming up to this thing, you're like, I have no idea what this is about. It, it's kind of you know, wild, but, but you have confidence in who God is. You have confidence in the work that he has done. You have the confidence in the work that he is going to do, and I, I and I think ultimately, if if I'm understanding correctly, this this idea of Galatians and this idea of the gospel and is that we have confidence in 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 Christ. He is sufficient. Mm-hmm. He is good. He is right. Um, let's put our faith in him, and then let's properly put the things that he has created and given to us in their proper places, and allow him to use those to to grow us. Right. And if you if you love Jesus and you're following him, then why would you not want to be immersed in Yeah, in absolutely. His word? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the part that it comes yeah, full circle to treasuring scripture the way that we should, which is saying, Man, if 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 my life is consumed with abiding in Christ, then I want then I want to know his voice. And the the number one gift that I mean the when I say the number one gift, the number one gift outside of the Trinity, like so outside of God, that, that God has given us to know him is scripture. Right. He right. also gives us one another, like the, the church family, but it's it's in that vein. Um, and so if, if we want, it's kind of like when you talk about faith without works is dead. And so we we when we say, well, what's the relationship of faith and works? And Paul is talking about that with freedom. Well, it's if I believe when Jesus says, hey, this thing that I'm calling you to do is better than this other thing, if I believe him, then I will do it. And that's how like faith and works are related, not because we just respond with good works. It's that Jesus is saying, like, this is better. It's better to love your neighbor than to look after your own interests. And if I believe him, if I have faith and believe him, then I'll do that. If I don't do it, then I don't believe him. Right. And so with God's word, when... um. When we say, like, if, if you say you want to know Jesus and you say you're following him and you say you, you believe in him, and if you believe that God's word is inspired and is, like, is the way that we can get to know him, well, then we'll be in it. But if it's just this thing that I can, like, and again, an, an idol that I can just go to and whenever I need something, I can kind of put a sacrifice at the feet of it, you know, and open it up randomly and do all that. Well, then it's like, that's dangerous. Yeah. And we are not abiding in Christ. And and then we are like the Pharisees where you, you see, you search in them. You're like, you're flipping through in there to try to find out whether you need to buy this house or not realizing that they're actually pointing to Jesus. And it's in him that you have the fulfillment of all things, not, not in just studying this text. So yeah, that was the desire. And I know, by the way, um, and I know you're trying to wrap this up because you want to go have some dry cereal, but I know that we um, sprinkle a little protein powder on top. Yeah, gosh. Um, I 
I know that it was a. I knew that it was going to be a, a shocking statement. I will say this though for our congregation, that yes, clearly when I said that, like the idolatry of the Bible, there were people who were like, ah, what in the world? But somebody had said this to me this week. Um, he said, he said, yeah, I heard you say that, and it kind of caught me off guard. But he said my first thought was, all right, well, let me see what you have to say about this, because sure, know, he's like, I, yeah. I trust you to unpack it like let's let's see what you're saying about that and what i noticed was that very quickly i actually didn't use all the illustrations that i had planned because so quickly i saw the congregation pick up on respond and say like okay yeah i see and i got a lot of i actually got a lot of positive feedback afterwards of people's like feeling convicted over yeah i i have been searching the scriptures to find the path to to life rather than realizing that they're pointing to Jesus. And so, yes, be in the word all the time. Like read it morning, day, and night, like be in it, but let it let it um facilitate your communing with the Holy Spirit. Don't don't let it be its own thing. That's how it becomes an idol, but it should allow you to commune with the Holy Spirit, to learn to discern his voice, to love and worship Jesus more and more. And, and let it be that. That's the right usage of Scripture, and it's beautiful, um, and, and it'll guard our hearts from, from other false gospels that sound Christian, mm-hmm. which, by the way, and I know you, that's an even better place to land, but that was ultimately what was going on with Paul. He wasn't, he wasn't the people that were causing trouble were not people who were saying, disobey God, dishonor him. They were people who were saying how important God's law was. They sounded like, they took God's law more seriously than Paul. And that we can't look past that. Like they they gave the appearance of caring even more about God because look how seriously we take the law. And Paul's point is if you submit yourself to that, then Christ died for no purpose. And that's like we need to realize that and understand like that that is a very real warning for all of us. It's it's not the people that come in and tell you to ignore God that are the really dangerous ones. It's the people who think, who come in telling you that you can honor God even better than by abiding in Christ. Mm. And yeah, there you go. That's the, that'll be my. <laughs> there you go. That's that's it. Uh, man, that's a good that's a good place to end. If you have any questions for the podcast or is anything you would like uh, for us to talk about, you can send us an email, connect at faithpeshtigo.com. Also on Facebook, you can search for us, send us a message. Um, And I, I think that's it. Thanks so much for listening and go in grace.